Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. That's Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them, on, fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. All right. We're going to continue uh, with our message today. Uh, I just, I'm excited to talk about this message, life in the shadow, because this is what we need to hear right now. We need to hear that there is life in what we're going through, that God has something for us in this time, that God has something uh, for those around us in this time. And I truly believe this, because this feels like a shadow. Uh, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, uh, put out a graph that's going around the internet, and I'm hopeful that John can pull it up for you. It's called Flattening the Curve, uh, and it shows uh, two trajectories. The first trajectory shows what will happen like if we all work together, we all wash our hands, we all do social distancing, we're all really mindful of the places that we go. Uh, Lord willing, that's what will happen. The, uh, uh, it, the, the, the cases will, um, will drop and we'll be able to take care of it all. Right? And the, there won't be as many cases, they won't be as severe, the healthcare system will be able to manage everything. Uh, now that's like the positive curve. But the second curve, uh, the big curve, the, the kind of the pink one there that goes up like this, so the first curve is kind of small. The, the second curve is the number of cases that happen if we, if we don't pay attention to like the hand washing and the social distancing and we just continue through life as normal. And uh, and you can see that it's kind of intimidating. It's kind of scary because there's a lot of cases. Uh, it clearly overwhelms our healthcare system. There's, it leads to loss of life. It's just a, a scary thing. And we don't, we don't want that second curve, right? We don't want the, the looming mountain. Uh, and we don't know, I don't know, I'm, not, I'm no expert, but it, uh, we don't know whether we're kind of heading towards the first curve or the second curve or maybe somewhere in between. It seems like if we were to listen to the news and the steep incline in cases, and of course the, the testing is, it seems to be growing a little bit, it seems like we're headed more towards that second curve, right? That things are really ramping up. And so as we look at the number of cases and what's gonna happen, it can feel like this mountain, this looming mountain or this looming wave, this, this wave the size of a mountain. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it seems like that way, maybe you've seen interstellar where there's a, a planet and the mountain, the waves are the size of mountains and it just seems scary, right? It seems like there's this shadow that's coming and we can be really afraid in this cultural moment. We can, uh, really be, uh, worried. And yet the Bible gives us life in the shadow. The Bible gives us hope in the shadow. Jesus gives us hope in this moment in our cultural moment, what we are going through as a culture and as a church. See, right now, it's easy to live in fear. It's easy to imagine that things are going to go terribly, but God promises us that if we will pay attention to Him, good things can happen in this moment. 
I mean, I don't know if, if you're kind of feeling this way, but a couple times this week, I was like, oh man, I don't really feel very good. You know, I feel a little warm, I put my hand up to my head. I'm like, I feel a little warm. So I went and I took my temperature and my temperature was actually below the, the normal uh, body temperature. It wasn't even 97 degrees. I, like I was, I was near death apparently uh, from being so cold. Uh, see, your, our mind begins to play things on us. Now, if obviously, if you're not feeling good, go please take your temperature and, and see because uh, anything can happen here. But it just shows that like we can become afraid and, and we can begin to function in the shadow and live as if that is normal life and, and live as if the shadow is everything. And Jesus can sympathize with us. Jesus understands what it's like uh, to go through the shadow. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but I just want to offer you this encouragement that Jesus is with us in this shadow and he has something for us. He has something good and gracious for us to receive in this moment. So I want to talk about three things. First, I want to talk a little bit more about the shadow and we're going to look at our text for that. And then I want to talk about kind of the goodness and grace that Jesus offers us in the shadow. And then I want to talk about just Jesus being in the shadow with us. Uh, these three things, as we talk about them, will encourage us. And so let's first talk about the shadow. Now, today we're going back to the book of Acts. We've, as a church, been in the book of Acts. Um, Acts is the history of the first church, of the early churches, and how kind of the, the church went from one church in Jerusalem and spread outward uh, into the entire ancient world. And if you're, you're in your Bibles, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. So it's the four Gospels and then Acts. Uh, and so we've been in this book of Acts, and it's an exciting book. God is doing things, doing miracles, doing uh, amazing moments of uh, bringing salvation to, to people uh, through his early church leaders. And it focuses mostly on uh, kind of the first third here, the, the first section of, uh, of the book of Acts talks a lot about Peter and John, right? Now they are some of Jesus's disciples. They're called apostles at this moment in the church. That means they're the church leaders and they're doing amazing things. They're preaching the gospel. They're preaching the good news about Jesus and that Jesus died and rose again, and then if you repent and put your faith in him, uh, God comes and, and saves you and gives you life. They're preaching this message, uh, and they're, they're casting out impure spirits, they're casting out demons, they're healing people, they're performing miracles through God's power, not through their own power, but through God's power. Uh, and yet, despite all these amazing things that are going on, they're also suffering. Because when they preach, they get thrown in jail for a night because the, the powers that be, the religious powers, don't want them to succeed. They get arrested, thrown in prison, questioned. They do get released. But you can see, like if you were to think about where they are, like the things haven't quite ramped up. They're at the beginning of that wave. They're at the beginning of that mountain. They're at the beginning. They're at the edge of the shadow. And they've entered into that shadow and, and, and suffering and persecution is about to come. And we see this actually in our, check, our, our text, verses 12 through 16 say, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. The people knew these crowds, these, these, uh, these Jewish people who hadn't yet become Christians, they knew about Peter, they knew about John, and all the amazing works they were doing. Uh, and and we're going to, I skipped ahead a little bit in this uh, series, but we're going to go back uh, sometime soon to the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And that's just an incredible kind of crazy, wacky story of, of two people uh, that tried to deceive God and they lost their lives because, because of it. And Peter actually spoke the words and they died. 
And so I think this is part of the reason that people are afraid. They're kind of intimidated a little bit by Peter and that early church and what's happening there. But I do think there's a larger looming threat. There's this, this context that we need to understand about what is happening and so that people are afraid to join them. As I was studying this week, I wondered why it mentions Solomon's colonnade. Like, why include that little detail? Now, this colonnade was this kind of long uh, building, almost like a meeting hall supported by columns, these pillars. Uh, and there's this uh, historian named Josephus, early church, um, early kind of Jewish historian, who says, said the colonnades, they were all double, and the supporting pillars, so these columns, these pillars were 37 and a half feet tall, and they were cut from a single block of the whitest marble, and the ceiling was paneled with cedar. And so clearly this was an amazing place and a beautiful place, uh, someplace that it would be really cool to go and see today. And it, it kind of reminds me, of, well, this falls short, but if you go downtown to Quincy Market uh, and you see the massive granite pillars that are outside Fenwell Hall, uh, you can imagine kind of Solomon's Colonnade or if you've seen some other pillars. Actually, those, those columns that are down at uh, Quincy Market and Fenwell Hall, uh, they actually come from Westford. Uh, Westford's Fletcher Granite Company uh, made those columns and they hauled them to North Chelmsford by 22 yoke of oxen. They loaded them onto a barge and then they sent them down into Boston. So that's like your Westford trivia uh, for the day, but it's kind of cool that we're a part of that. Uh, but what matters about these columns in this colonnade is not so much what it looked like or uh, what it was like there. Uh, what matters the most is the location like where this was, because the colonnade actually surrounded the temple compound, so, right? So there's the temple, which is this economic, social, religious hub. It's the, it's the center of the religious and economic life of the Jewish people and even the political life. And it has several courts uh, that only certain people could enter into, like the priests could get into the center court. Uh, and then there was like uh, the court of the, the Gentiles, the Gentiles could be in uh, the court of uh, women. And, uh, and so there's like different courts that different people can be in. And then there's like this big, large kind of uh, court, uh, temple plateau. And on the outside of that plateau is this colonnade that goes all the way around. And on the east side of that colonnade, there's this special colonnade, Solomon's colonnade, that's uh, a little bit longer, a little bit wider. And uh, this is a place where people can meet and uh, do business and, and talk. And, uh, and I think this is probably where the market was at one point. Uh, and so it's this special place. But, but notice, like, it's, it's like the porch of the house, right? Like, the porch is a great place. It's fun to hang out on the porch, you know, have a barbecue, uh, enjoy each other's company. But it's not the house. The temple is the house. And there's these small upbeat group of Christians that are meeting together on the porch of the house and causing problems, causing problems for the social, economic, religious powerhouse. I want you to imagine for a moment uh, that uh, we're, we're thinking about the Red Sox. Now, unfortunately, their season just got delayed, but imagine for a moment that they had not got delayed uh, and uh, the Boston Red Sox are doing great. They're winning game after game. People are packing Fenway Stadium, Fenway Park. Ticket sales are going through the roof, and it looks like maybe they're going to make it to the World Series. But then in the fall, like this little like co-ed 
Baseball League starts uh, a couple blocks away at Clemente Field. So these are actual fields a couple blocks away uh, from uh, from Fenway Park. And this this co-ed uh, group starts up and they begin to play. And wow, their games are really good. Like the they're really good players. They're just having fun. It's a great atmosphere. And people decide we're going to go to Clemente Field. We're going to go hang out down there. We're going to see this. It's free, you know. And there's like good food and we're just going to go hang out there. And pretty soon it's attracting such large crowds to Clemente Field <laughs> that they're not going and they're not filling uh, Fenway Park. Uh, they're, they're not uh, going and paying you know, the top dollar to get into there. Well, you would think that like the executives at Fenway would take notice. Mayor Marty Walsh might take notice and they might shut down this little co-ed division. They might shut down what was going on. And so you might be kind of intimidated. Should I actually go to Clemente Field or should I just keep going to uh, the Red Sox uh, Stadium, especially if I know that, well, the mayor doesn't want this division to even exist. This is kind of like what those early Christians were experiencing. They're performing miracles. They're telling others about Jesus. Uh, the Christian community is growing and growing and growing. Uh, but people are afraid. They're afraid to join them. They're afraid to enter into that shadow of the temple. Uh, it says no one else dared to join them. See, they knew if the temple isn't happy, nobody's happy. If the temple isn't happy, nobody's happy. And this point in the, in the, in the story of Acts, this point, Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16, it is so quick to just kind of blow by this. But this really is like a hinge. It's a hinge in the book where, you know, things were okay before this in the book. There wasn't a lot of suffering that got thrown in jail, but this is really where now the suffering begins to ramp up, right? It's not just the shadow, it's the, it's the mountain is coming, the persecution, the suffering. People are gonna live in darkness. The believers are gonna be persecuted and yet, and yet they're still gathering and they're still worshiping and they're still present for what God has for them in their shadow. See, there is goodness and there is grace in the shadow. There is goodness and there is grace in the shadow. See, God's in our risk. Even when we're worried and anxious and uh, we're, we're concerned that we're going to get something like COVID-19, God is still at work in this moment. God is being gracious to us in this moment. When, when the stock market is fluctuating, it's going up and down, up and down. And even when it's down and everything's red, God is still gracious. There is still goodness and grace for us. When we can't see what's coming with our relationships, with our family members and our friends, and we're concerned about the health of those we love, God is still good and he is still gracious and he still wants to give us his goodness and his graciousness in this shadow. Even when life feels risky. See, we don't know what's coming a month from now. We don't know what's coming a week from now. We don't know what's coming a day from now or even an hour from now. And it does feel like there's this looming shadow, but God is still present in the shadow through Christ Jesus. God is still good and there is goodness in this moment. Verse 14 says this, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Here's what this does not say. It doesn't say that nothing bad is going to happen to these Christians, to these believers as they're coming. It doesn't say that they're not gonna lose their money or their financial support. It doesn't say that they're not gonna lose their social standing in the temple. Many of them do, many of them even lose their lives. It doesn't say that they're gonna be safe according to the world's standards. It doesn't say any of these things, but it does say this. 
says that even though some people were afraid, others joined because they sensed that there was something supernatural going on. There was something true and holy and pure going on. It says, despite the looming threat of the, the, the temple powers, it says that they, they kept coming, and that they would be okay. That they, they had Christ, and they had Christ Jesus, and so they were safe, and they were secure. And so these people were believing and, uh, uh, and becoming Christians despite the risk. Now here's what it, it doesn't say about our shadow, right? That was their shadow. What's our shadow? Everything that's going on with us. Here's what this doesn't say about our shadow. We do not know what is going to happen. We do not know if we're all going to be okay. We do not know if we're all going to make it through. We do not know, and that creates feelings of uncertainty and fear and anxiety. But what we do know is so much better. Here's what we do know. We do know that we can count on Jesus no matter what. We do know that if we believe in Jesus, if we repent of our sins and come to him and say, Jesus, my, I cannot place my life in the hands of healthcare workers I cannot place my life and my, my eternal life in the hands of the government or even my own hands. I can only place my life in your hands. Obviously, it doesn't mean don't go to healthcare workers if you think you have something. But like in terms of our spiritual life, our eternal life, and even, even this physical life, ultimately it is in God's hands. Even if he chooses to work through things like doctors and nurses to help us, God this is, this is what this passage says, that, that we can have trust in God no matter what, no matter what is coming. Uh, we will be okay, but not as the world defines it, as God defines us. Jesus promises to never leave us or forsake us. God promises all of these things, that he's going to use all of these things for our good, no matter how bad it gets. God promises that one day, Revelation 21, that the return of Christ, one day God is going to wipe away every tear. There's going to be no more crying. There's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more separation from your loved ones, from your, your friends, to everyone that knows Christ Jesus. See, there is so much goodness and there is so much grace in the shadow because God is present. See, the people saw what was going on in this Christian community and they believed despite the risk to themselves. They saw that it was worth it. There was something, about, there was something about, different about these people in their shadow. Acts 5, verses 15 through 16 say, As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. I want to say this point. When some dared to experience God's goodness and grace in the shadow, it drew others out. When some people said, I'm going to risk God's goodness and God's grace, I'm going to, I'm going to come to him despite the risk, it, 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 it brought other people to faith. It brought other people to God's goodness. It was like this, like when you throw a rock in a pond, a cool pond, and it just it hits Plop, and, and there's like this ripple effect that goes out. There's this goodness effect that goes forward. When we trust God, other people see us trusting God. See, they, they, they heard these Christians were performing miracles, and they dared to bring their sick so that even Peter's shadow might fall on them. 
And just because Acts records something doesn't mean it condones something. So there was a lot of superstition at that time, even around shadows. Uh, a shadow could benefit you if it fell on you from like the right person, but if it's the wrong person, it can perhaps harm you or, or kind of mess with your luck. Really superstitious, like this, this idea of Peter Pan's fun-loving shadow was not really a thing. This was not the correct way to be healed. This was not the right way to come before God and say, Lord, would you heal me? I trust in Jesus. And yet God still healed them. It says all of them were healed. Even the ones that approached in this superstitious manner were healed. You know what this means for us in this cultural moment, for us as people? It means that we don't have to have everything figured out. We do not have to have everything figured out. We just have to trust in the one who does have it figured out. We have to trust in Jesus. We don't have to have perfect faith. We have to put the faith we do have in the perfect person, in Christ Jesus. We need to believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and that he takes care of the rest. <laughs> the whole idea of Jesus being Lord is, that means that he has everything figured out. He's the one in charge. And that he, can, he, he comes to us and he is gracious to us and he uses us in our weakness. These people were probably confused, maybe delusional. I mean, it says they were tormented by evil spirits. Since there was demons and it was like the satanic thing. It's crazy. That messes with your mind. And yet they were able to come to Christ uh, through Peter and his ministry. And, and God healed them. God mended their broken lives. See, there's goodness and grace in the shadow. And God is reaching out his hand and extending that goodness and grace to you and to me. And that goodness and grace can look like actual physical healing. If you're sick, God can heal you. I don't know if he will heal you. He doesn't always heal us when we ask him to, but sometimes he does. Uh, sometimes he does these supernatural stories. Joe's a missionary. He's been hearing about, he's seen some of those stories. And, and, and God, God can do that. And God can cast out demons. Like the spiritual realm is real. Demons are real. Angels are real. And you don't want to mess with demons. But, but Christ can cast them out if you already have. And so we find incredible hope in trusting Jesus, that he is the one who is in charge, that he offers us salvation. Uh, physical healing sometimes Certainly in eternity, when Christ returns, he's going to make everything new. And also spiritual healing right now. See, this is what we need to know. Uh, there is a shadow. There is goodness and grace in the shadow. And Jesus is with us in the shadow. Jesus is with us in the shadow. See, there's this other time that Jesus was in Jerusalem for a festival. And he's actually walking through Solomon's colonnade. Uh, and the people are asking him, are you the Messiah? That's a politically charged term. Are you kind of the one who's going to overthrow the, the Roman government? Uh, but it's also this, this way of saying, are you God's special chosen king? Instead of answering them, uh, Jesus says this about those who choose to believe in him. So Jesus doesn't give all the answers they want. He just says, you need to believe in me as Lord and Savior. And he says this to those that do. He says, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. COVID-19 coronavirus will not snatch them out of my hand. Their deepest, darkest sins will not snatch them out of my hands. Their looming fears and terrors will not snatch them out of my hand. 
My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. If you know Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus's hands. You are in your father's hands and no one can snatch you out of his hands. Doesn't that change the way we see everything? Doesn't that change the way we approach what we're going through right now? See, we have a big brother in heaven who is willing to make the payment to make this true. See, Jesus made us secure by his sacrifice. This is how we can know that we are secure and that we will make it to eternal life with Jesus through faith in Christ because Jesus walked through the shadow. Jesus, oh man, he like wrapped the shadow around himself and he put that shadow to death. See, the, the shadow that Jesus experienced is much darker than anything we're experiencing right now, much more darker than like the stock market or COVID-19 or our worst fears. I wanna read the shadow that, that Jesus walked through from Luke 23 verses 44 through 46. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two and jesus called out with a loud voice father into your hands i commit my spirit when he said this he breathed his last jesus walked through the shadow and all he could do was pray father into your hands i commit my spirit we can't do anything less than this the shadow that jesus experienced is god's judgment you see jesus took the penalty for all of our sins for the, the worst thing that we can happen to is to, to die and still kind of be carrying our sins. That's the worst thing. And Jesus said, I'll take it. I'll take, the, I'll take all the, 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 the wrongness that you have done. I'll take all the ways that you have, uh, uh, have, have kind of turned against God, the God who is completely good. I'll take all those ways and I will put them to death. You see, the Bible says that God's going to deal with our sin. And he either deals with it through us of his judgment falling upon us or his judgment falling upon Christ Jesus. And God's judgment has fallen upon Christ Jesus. The Not just the shadow, but the reality, the reality of God's judgment, the reality of the shadow has fallen in its fullness on Jesus Christ. See, there is such, there's, there, there, there's something much more serious than COVID-19 that I want to talk with you about today. And that's this truth that, that Jesus has, has taken the reality of the shadow upon himself and offers us eternal life in its place. Jesus, the Son, offers us uh, the sunshine of God's love and grace because he has walked through the darkness. I read this story a while ago that I just think just summarizes this so beautifully, this, this story so well. And it's, uh, it's one of Tim Keller's uh, stories, uh, but he talks about a famous preacher at 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia in the first half of the 20th century. And his name was Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse, uh, and his wife had died. His wife had died, and he had a young daughter, uh, and he was trying to figure out, how do I explain uh, what happened to my daughter? And my wife died, and how that fits in uh, with what God is doing. And one day, they were driving in the car, and he was with his daughter, and a huge truck, like an 18-wheeler, drove past them. And the shadow of that truck swept over 
their car. Dr. Barnhouse asked his daughter, he said, if you were to get hit by the truck, would you prefer to get hit by the truck itself or by the shadow of the truck? She said, oh, daddy, I, the shadow of the truck is much better than the truck itself. I said, it wouldn't hurt as much. And Dr. Barnhouse said, that's exactly what happened to your mom. The shadow of the truck of judgment of death came over your mother, but she is still alive. She is more alive today than, than we are. She, but she's in the presence of God, and we will one day see her. But only the shadow of God's judgment fell on your mom. The crushing judgment of the truck ran over Jesus. Jesus took the full weight of God's punishment upon himself so that you and I can enter into the life of eternal life with him. So that's why we place our faith in Jesus, because we want to step into the light. Yes, we go through seasons of shadow. One day we're even going to die, and that is a shadow, but it's not the reality. Jesus took the reality of God's punishment upon himself so that we can have eternal life with him. And this is why I know there's goodness and grace in the shadow, because Jesus is with us in the shadow. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are with us in the shadow. Thank you that Jesus is with us in the shadow. God, we, we just need you in this moment. We just need you in this moment. I pray that you would be present with each of us. And if any of us are feeling like the shadow is really overwhelming, Lord, would you just give them life, give them hope, give them joy. In Jesus' name, amen.